Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hi everybody, my name is Dr. Tamana Singh. I'm one of our co-directors for the Sports Cardiology Center here at Main Campus for Cleveland Clinic. And I'm Dr. Michael Emery. I'm also co-director of the Sports Cardiology Center. And we're here to talk to you a little bit about what our center can offer to your patients. So, you know, the question we often get asked, uh, Tamana, is what is sports cardiology? So sports cardiology is actually a very exciting field. It's very specific. Um, we tend to see a lot of active individuals ranging from those who might be recreational athletes, high school, collegiate athletes, all the way to the professional ranks. Um, we see individuals for pre-participation cardiovascular evaluation, and that's something that we oftentimes do just around here within Cleveland, seeing a lot of our local high school and collegiate folks. Um, and we also do management of individuals who have cardiovascular um, diseases and illnesses. So things that probably come quickly to mind are run-of-the-mill cardiovascular disease, um, any sort of channelopathies or cardiomyopathies, individuals who may have aortic disease. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, we, we see people all the way up through master's athlete range above 40 years and, and onward. Yeah, and we, we do a lot of symptom evaluation too, right? And I think the key differentiator for us when we see an athletic person, um, and not necessarily a professional athlete, but an athletic person with symptoms during exercise, we try really hard to understand the physiology of what could be creating their symptoms and recreate that. So we want to treat them like an athlete. We don't want to necessarily treat them like a 65-year-old who's never gotten off the couch. We want to try to recreate those symptoms either in the lab or in the field with active monitoring that's appropriate for them. I think, Mike, what you're alluding to is one of the uh, specialties of our um, particular niche and having uh, patients come to be evaluated by us is that we do have a cardiopulmonary exercise testing lab, which allows for us to, quote unquote, recreate or simulate exercise um, situations where patients may have symptoms. For instance, we can have individuals bike with us, we can have individuals run with us, and we can try to recreate, you know, a specific scenario where they say, you know what, doc, I've got chest pain at this level of exertion or palpitations or I feel lightheaded and whatnot. So I think those are some really, um, I think, helpful ways we can um, provide our primary care providers with an outlet um, to, you know, have us see any sorts of patients. Again, really of any probably active level. It uh, doesn't have to be a competitive athlete, but someone who's really looking to have a more nuanced, more focused lens in terms of their symptomatology or management of a cardiovascular issue. Yeah, in, in piggybacking on that, we use a lot of that same testing then to help athletes with known cardiovascular disease, particularly aortopathies, coronary disease, valvular disease, um, get back to the exercise that they want to do. You know, we don't want them to be afraid of exercise. Exercise is good, and a lot of them want to do more than just moderate intensity brisk walking. They want to be a little bit more competitive, although they may not be signing up to win medals they want to go out and do a little bit more. So we're trying to use the testing that we can, particularly the cardiopulmonary exercise testing, to give them some good exercise and very specific exercise prescriptions that can help them get back to where they want to be. And Mike, do you mind just talking a little bit about what cardiopulmonary exercise testing is? Yeah, cardiopulmonary exercise testing is sort of the medical phrase for a VO2 max test. So many of you may have heard of that. It's where you wear a mask and we collect the gases that you expire to get a VO2 max which is typically what's thrown around on the websites by 
by people, but we get a lot more in-depth information about that, about pulmonary disease or contributions, cardiovascular disease and contributions. Um, and then we can use those zones that we can de de delineate, like anaerobic thresholds, to provide more specific um, exercise prescription in different zones for different training levels. Oftentimes we have uh, recreational or competitive or active individuals come to us and say, Doc, you know what, this is you know, a heart problem that I have. For instance, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And I've been told that I really should not exercise or I should really keep my exercise light in intensity. Cardiopulmonary exercise testing allows for us to actually take a look at their heart rate zones and see whether or not they do develop any sort of premature ventricular contractions or non-sustained ventricular tachycardia at a specific heart rate. And we can actually use that information to create their own exercise plan. And that allows for us to give them the tools to exercise safely while they also get that mental health benefit of being able to do something that they really enjoy. And Mike, you even talked about, you know, kind of the caliber of our athletes. Yes, you know, they're not all professional athletes, and I don't think we both do this field to take care of the pros specifically, but, you know, a lot of individuals as they get older love to run the long distances or bike the long distances or get into strength training and things like CrossFit and heavier weightlifting. And I think, you know, we need to do our due diligence in advocating and really encouraging our older individuals to stay active so that they can maintain the appropriate muscle mass and the endurance, endurance to stave off any sort of cardiovascular risk. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. That's a lot of the patients we see is about sort of rendering a second opinion on what's appropriate exercise for them. Uh, and it can be difficult because unless you really understand the physiology of exercise, and, you know, I think Dr. Singh and I bring a lot of personal experience into this with what we do to understand sort of what weightlifting means and what something really weighs. And, you know, we, we are not very um, good at giving you a weight to lift. We give you a general range because things are different from person to person. What's heavy for one person may not be heavy for another person. What's intense for another person may not be so intense for another person. So we want to be very specific about trying to give that athlete information that they can really use. And we're also really helpful when it comes to managing individuals who may be coming for cardiovascular surgery. We see a lot of individuals who may have valvular disease despite their activity level, who may have issues like I've mentioned with cardiomyopathies that need to be surgically managed, or perhaps even cardiovascular disease coming in for bypass surgery, or aortic disease coming in for aortic repair. And we're here to provide the tools uh, with respect to how they can return to exercise after their surgery. And I think that's probably one of the biggest um, highlights and gratifying experiences for me, yeah. being able to tell our athlete patients, you don't have to put your running shoes up or, you know, you don't have to rack up your weights anymore. There are ways to, again, be able to kind of recreate what you were able to do preoperatively safely in a postoperative setting. So I want to turn the page a little bit and talk about the other big part of what we see, and that's um, what we call exercise-induced cardiac remodeling or the athlete's heart. So Dr. Singh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your perspective on the athlete's heart and how we as uh, sports cardiologists can help in that avenue. Sure. So we have a lot of evidence to date now that shows that specific forms of exercise, whether it be endurance sports, so things like long distance running or long distance cycling or rowing and skiing, um, as well as activities like heavier strength 
uh, work, strength training, and heavier weightlifting, again, recognizing that there's a lot of overlap among sports, these types of exercises do cause physiologic, appropriate physiologic changes to the heart muscle. So you may have heard of terms like athlete's heart or four-chamber enlargement um, consistent with athlete's heart. So oftentimes we can recognize these physiologically appropriate changes in the heart muscle um, and we're able to provide a recommendation that essentially supports that this is not an abnormality. We see a lot of individuals coming in sometimes for second and third opinion saying, I was told that my heart is abnormal, um, but we at least have the expertise to say that these appropriate physiological changes in how the heart looks, how it's working, how thick it is, how large it is, that it's appropriate for that patient's amount, level, intensity, and type of activity. Yeah, and I think one of the things I often talk about patients is that and other providers is that, you know, an athlete's heart is not a diagnosis. It's normal. It's a normal physiological finding that we would expect. Now, in, in some regards, though, if you take, you know, what we see on an imaging study in isolation without the perspective of what may have got them there, it can look in isolation like a dilated cardiomyopathy or hypertrophy cardiomyopathy. But then you have to put it into context of that athlete. What's their physiological state? What will we expect from their sport to differentiate what is exercise-induced cardiac remodeling, which I think often is a better term than athlete's heart, um, from a pathological substrate. But that can take some nuance um, to, to figure out. And we certainly don't want to label you know, someone with a normal cardiac remodeled heart from being an athlete as having a disease. And we don't want to miss someone that has the disease and call it, oh, this is just an athlete's heart and then they put themselves at risk potentially. How often would you say you've seen patients come to see you who say, I was told that I can't play my sport anymore because my heart is abnormal, but it's actually not? More than we like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's where having a sports cardiology center, dedicated individuals who practice this field, along with the support of many of our colleagues within kind of all of the cardiovascular and surgical specialties, really makes us, um, I think, you know, really incredible tool here for a lot of our primary care providers, our sports medicine physicians, even our, our trainers and our coaches. Um, I think it's really important to emphasize that we're here to, to support individuals who want to be active, who want to stay active, and how ever capacity, whatever capacity we can. Um, and, you know, also emphasizing that we have that, um, that knowledge, that understanding of sport related change, what is normal and what is abnormal. So if I were uh, um, one of our wonderful primary care providers, what kinds of patients would I be able to send you, Mike, to the Sports Cardiology Center? So from primary care, I think a lot of it ends up being symptom driven in an athletic patient or screening driven when you have uh, screened a young athlete in particular and now you, the screening doesn't come back completely quote normal and you don't know is this remodeling is this something I should be worried about that's from a primary care physician standpoint I think that's a lot of predominantly what we see but then you know why don't you also then comment on why other cardiologists send those patients to? Yeah no that's an excellent question so we actually see a lot of patients who are 
either already diagnosed with a cardiovascular abnormality and they're looking for specialized exercise recommendations. Um, we also see patients who are pre-post-surgical, again, looking more so for exercise recommendations. We oftentimes get asked by our colleagues how to manage patients, whether or not there should be a restriction on support or no restriction on support, and even questions about surgical management. Is this individual who may have some cardiovascular abnormality but not that symptomatic, is that someone who really needs to go to surgery or not to surgery? And I think the jury's out with respect to you know, surgical management of a lot of common things like valvular disease um, in terms of you know, does athletic performance get compromised? Does it improve? Does it stay the same? Um, but we're, we're definitely used as tools around here uh, for those types of scenarios. Tell me a little bit about um, uh, EKG screening and, and what we're doing about that. So, you know, EKG screening in, in young athletes is controversial still. Um, it's mostly controversial because what we're trying to do when we screen young athletes is find the needle in the haystack of that one rare athlete who may be at increased risk for sudden cardiac death, um, which is a devastating outcome, obviously. Thankfully, it's rare, and the EKG has the potential to pick those out a little bit more. But there are a lot of findings on a young athlete's ECG that we would call normal and consistent with cardiac remodeling from exercise that in a typical training program where you learn to read ECGs or a standard ECG machine that you have in your office per se would come out abnormal. Um, in fact, the initial criteria from 2010 that started to delineate abnormal, or excuse me, started to delineate what's normal and abnormal in an athlete ECG had a false positive rate approaching 40%. Now that false positive rate is, is much lower, but you really have to know what you're looking for. So, you know, in, in our hands, experts in this who read thousands of athlete ECGs a year, we can keep that false positive rate pretty low and make it a pretty useful tool, but you have to be careful who's you're employing to do these things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an excellent point. You know, we all are trained to read EKGs, but we all are not trained on how to read athlete-specific EKGs. And I think that's one incredible um, service that we do offer within our center. We um, did just pilot um, a EKG screening program for our surrounding colleges. We definitely do it for our high school athletes as well. Um, and um, essentially anyone who's coming in either with an issue or, or just for basic cardiovascular screening for sports participation. But we do encourage our primary care providers as well as our sports medicine physicians to utilize us in those situations, um, particularly when questions about EKGs come up. Well, I think we probably have, you know, mentioned a lot of our strengths at the Sports Cardiology Center. I think, you know, for, for me, one of the biggest things I'd like to make sure I emphasize is that we are here to help you. Um, and like we've mentioned, we have individuals who do exercise across the spectrum. Um, and in my mind, you know, anyone can be or will be or is an athlete. And I think if we can answer some of your questions or help with the management of your patients, please do reach out to us. Mike, how can they reach out? Certainly. They can, uh, you know, email us directly if you have access to our emails. We have um, a website uh, on the Cleveland Clinic website dedicated to our sports cardiology center with dedicated phone number, a dedicated email to our sports cardiology center, um, and then a second opinion uh, option button under our profile pictures. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. 
Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.